about what they have to do for the day, so they really appreciated that. And then, two Fridays ago, one of the Monterey Park groups led by Sharon and Tom Yee, they, led, uh, they took some bake, fresh baked bagels and fruit, and they took it to Monterey Park PD, and they ended their visit by praying for the officers. Uh, Janelle mentioned that they did this a couple weeks ago uh, at the uh, Mon- Montebello PD, and I think it's great that um, so many times when you offer to pray for people, they don't turn it down. And especially police officers who are risking their lives uh, every day. I think it's just they're kind of like, yeah, please, you know, pray for us. We need all the, all the prayers we can get. Um, and, then, um, and then last Saturday, the, the uh, MPCS, Monterey Park Christian School, visited the Monterey Park Fire Department. And so we're actually this coming Saturday, the plan is that we put some care packages together and we're going to take some care packages over to Monterey Park Fire Department as well as the police department. Um, quick story about the, the fire department. So what happened with Monterey Park Christian School is that they, they put a sign-up sheet on the wall and said, who wants to come and get a tour of the fire station? It's going to be great. And then we're going to have a, a picnic afterwards. And, it was, and it was, there was such a great response. So what happened was I called the fire department. And I said, hey, do you mind if like maybe 20, 25 people from the school come by and uh, you know, get a tour? And they're like, yeah, 20, 25 people. We could do that. Well, a few days later, 20, 25 people turned into about 70. <laughs> So I called the Monterey Park Fire Department again, and I said, um, remember when I told you it was going to be 20 to 25? Well, now it's more like 70, and um, the battalion chief didn't like that very much. And I felt really bad, because he was kind of upset. And he's like, well, now what are we going to do? And you put us in a tight spot, and I felt like, oh, man, I feel so bad. Like, we're supposed to be loving where we live, and this is like, here, here you go. Take our love, you know, 70-plus people worth of it. Um, but what I, what I really appreciate, and this is why I think it's, it's great that we're actually going to go and take thank you gifts and care packages to them as a way of saying thank you. Because, uh, you know, I talked to him, and I just I was, like, so appreciative and said, thank you so much. Thanks for doing whatever you can do. So Saturday happened. They went on the tour. They did the whole thing. Parents, how many parents were there, by the way? Anybody, anybody here showed up? Well, didn't they do a good job? Were they, the fire, de- fire department, the fire, the fire de- were awesome, right? So I called the Monday after, and I just said, you know, we were the group that had 70-plus people. Thank you so much. And the guy was like, oh, yeah. You know, he said, the thing is, we just take our tours and the time that we spend with our citizens and our community very seriously. And we want to do our very best. He said, but, you know, it's no problem. Um, just in the future, just try to let us know ahead of time. But he said, we, you know, we really enjoyed having you. It was a great group, and um, they had a lot of people doing it. So just the, taking that little bit of time to say thank you, hopefully that mended the whatever... Whatever rift there was in the relationship that we caused. You know, it's, it, is, it is so important that we do this. Um, because, why? Because we don't always go out of our way to appreciate the people who serve our communities. And, and the thing is, on the flip side, sometimes we do go out of our way to criticize and complain about the leader's within our communities, right? It's like when, it, when somebody does something wrong in your community, whether it's police or mayor, or whatever, like people are up in arms, but how often do we, when somebody does something good, how often do we go out of our way to say, hey, thank you, right? How often do they hear thank yous, or how often do they hear criticism? I bet you it's probably more one than the other. Um, I heard this story recently about a man who has such a dislike for the police uh, that he makes it a point every single time he sees a police officer to give them the middle finger. Um, in case you don't know, giving the middle finger, 
flipping the bird. It's a, it's a, okay, that's why I have that up there, because I didn't want to have a picture of the other. Okay, so, okay, I'm just <laughs> explaining the, the picture. All right, <laughs> so this, I'm serious. Driving down the street, this guy, no matter what time of day, no matter where he is, he will give them the finger. The police officer doesn't even have to be pulling him over. He just sees a squad car, window goes down, hand goes out the window, and the finger goes up. He's even been pulled over like two or three times for doing it, but he has not been charged with any crime because middle finger is protected under the First Amendment. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I could not make this stuff up. It's free speech. So they can't, there's not, he's not really committing a crime. He says that literally the only time he will not show them his middle finger is when he sees an officer giving a ticket to someone in a, speeding in a school zone because they are protecting kids. So at least he has love for kids. He says that he has done this ever since he was a kid, and that even his wife and son begging him to stop has not kept him from continuing his practice. Now, I know this is an extreme example, and I hope that none of you has the same habit as this. I'm sure he's a very delightful man. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, But I bring this up to highlight the fact that it is so easy for us to look at those who serve our communities with angry eyes. We find reasons to complain about our public servants, but it is not always so automatic for us to show appreciation and express affirmation for those who serve our communities. I can't tell you how many times I hear phrases that start with, all those politicians are, dot, dot, dot. I hate the police because you must be one of those. Dot, dot, dot. Now, are there corrupt politicians and law enforcement officers? Yes. <laughs> Bobby says, with gusto, yeah, right? I'm sure there are. But are they all crying, lying and corrupt leaders? No, no absolutely not. And I just see my my buddy Sam over there walking in with the stroller. He is an example of somebody who is not. I know Sam. He's a good guy. I have to tell you how much I appreciated the honesty of Lieutenant Gus, uh, who stood up here a a couple weeks ago. Uh, He joined us a couple Sundays ago. He stood in front of this congregation, and he said, I got this quote from his mouth, nationally, certain things have happened, and I am the first to say that there have been some situations where officers have overstepped their boundaries, have violated some people's rights, and have acted unlawfully. He said, I am not going to sit up here and lie and justify what they did. But, he said, I believe that myself and Sam, he even pointed back there to Sam, who's a L.A. Sheriff Department, we take the brunt of what other people do. Wow. Honesty, right? I appreciate that. Now, don't get me wrong. I do believe that it is our job as citizens to stand up to powers and hold them accountable. It is. That is. That's part of our job as citizens. We should do that, especially when injustice is done. There is absolutely a place for us to call injustice what it is. Injustice is injustice, and we have the duty to call it out as citizens. But you want to know what today's sermon is about? What it all comes down to? Rather than being people who feel they need to call things like they see them, I am proposing to you today that Christians, disciples of Christ, God's people, we need to get good at calling things 
like God sees them. I mean, when God gives us the Holy Spirit, that's one of the things that happens, isn't it? We gain eyes to see the unseen, to see even just a glimpse of what God sees. So let's talk more about what I mean by that. Sometimes seeing what God sees, like the prophets in the Bible, means seeing truth that's hard for somebody to swallow. And there is a place for that, absolutely. But today we're talking about seeing what God sees in others, seeing the possibility, even seeing what looks like Jesus before they or anyone else might see it. See, this God who is revealed in Jesus Christ is a God who calls out sin and calls out injustice. But this is also a God who sees redemption where others may see only brokenness. This is a God who sees hope where others might see only despair. This is a God who sees life where others see only the valley of the shadow of death. And this is just what God does. This is what he has always done. To see in Noah a righteous man capable of building a giant boat in the middle of the desert. To see in Abraham a man who would be the father of his entire people. To see in Moses a leader who could set Israel free from the kingdom of Egypt. To see in the young boy David a king. To see in Esther a savior of her people. To see in Isaiah a man of unclean lips one of the greatest prophets of God, to see in the young woman Mary, the mother to Jesus Christ himself. See, what God did for all these and so many other people is that he called out in them the qualities that he saw in them, the qualities that he already knew were there. Now, did God ever have to call any of these people out for acting unjustly or for having the wrong attitude or for disobedience? Absolutely, he did. But what a great affirmation to hear God say, yes, I see you. I know you inside and out, good and bad, and I see my fingerprints all over you. Listen to me, follow me, and you'll see it too. And this really is exactly what Jesus did. When he first called his disciples, they weren't his disciples yet, right? They weren't his, you're, not, you're not somebody's disciple until you actually start following them, but he saw something in them. They weren't his disciples until they started following him, until they were actually his disciples. So Jesus had to see something in them and call it out in them. Take, for example, Jesus' first encounter with his soon-to-be disciple, Peter. In John 1, we see that it's Peter's brother, Andrew, who introduced Peter to Jesus. And the first thing that Jesus says to Peter when he meets him is, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated into Peter, which literally means the rock. Now, it might seem kind of presumptuous for Jesus to be like, hey, I know this is your name, but now I'm going to call you this. Okay, thanks. But do you see what Jesus was doing? He was calling something out within Peter. Yes, there was a stubbornness, a hard-headedness to Peter, but there was also a strong and steadfast faith a dogged pursuit of righteousness, and Jesus was calling that out in him. I'm calling you Peter now. Because you're like a rock. Another example is when he meets Nathaniel, this prospective disciple of Jesus. And Nathaniel, what Nathaniel does is he basically insults the town where Jesus comes from. When he hears that the Messiah comes from Nazareth, he says, Nazareth? 
Can anything good come from there? And what does Jesus do when he meets him? Does Jesus show up in his letterman jacket? Like, hey, what'd you say about Nazareth? Yeah, say it to my face. Yeah, that's what I thought. Nazareth High School, football rules. Go Tigers, class of 24. You got to say now. Yeah. ASP president, all four years of high school. Yeah. No, he sees him, and he says, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He's like, yeah, man, this guy just says, this guy just says it, whatever he's thinking. Whatever is in Nathaniel's mind, you're going to know what he's thinking because he just says it. And Nathaniel's response, I love it. Nathaniel's response is like, how do you know me? Nathaniel's like, yeah, that is how I am. How do you know that? Another example, Mary, sister to Martha and Lazarus. In Luke 10, we see the story of Jesus visiting his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Martha's running around getting things ready. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus listening, and Martha takes issue. And she says, Jesus, tell her to get up. And Jesus says, no, 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 Mary uh, is doing what is right. She's chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. He sees in her that desire to learn, the desire to do what is most important. One of the most mind-blowing examples of this, though, is in the story of Paul. And many of you probably know this story, but in case you don't, here's a brief synopsis. Paul used to be Saul, and Saul hated Christians. He persecuted them like crazy. And Paul never even saw Jesus, but he hated what he thought Jesus stood for. He hated Jesus' disciples, and he made it his goal to help wipe out Christians completely, and he thought he was doing God's work. But in the Bible, we see the story of how Jesus actually showed up to Saul in person while he was traveling to capture more Christians, and from that day, Saul became Paul and became one of the fiercest disciples ever. Listen to the way Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. For what I received from Jesus, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas. Remember Cephas? That's Peter. And then to the rest of the twelve. And after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me, Paul says. As to one who was abnormally born. See, Paul recognizes that he was one abnormally born. He, he was not supposed to be on this list of people that Jesus appears to. And yet he says, somehow, some way, Jesus appears to me. So what is it? What is it that allows this former Christian hater to be welcome among Jesus' disciples? What does Paul say? In verse 9, he says, For I am the least of the apostles, and I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. What is it that caused this former Christian hater, Jesus' persecutor, to be called among one of the apostles and disciples? By the grace of God, Paul says, I am what I am. He says, look, I know I don't deserve to have been sent by God, and yet here he is. What is this godly characteristic that allows me to not only see what it is that God sees, but it allows me to verbalize 
what it is that God sees? What is it that leads me to call out something good in someone, even in someone I don't get along with? What is it that allows me to call something out in someone even who has been unkind to me? Even someone who is antagonistic to me in my faith in Christ? It's grace. Jesus, God, is calling us to have grace and to see with eyes of grace. Grace is undeserved kindness. Grace gives what has not been earned for the benefit of the receiver. Grace is what God has done for us in Christ And for those whose lives have been touched by God's grace, it is imperative that we display the same grace to all people. Hold this in your hearts and your minds. It's by the grace of God that you are what you are. And it's by the grace of God that we can call out in other people what we see in them. You know, the reason I think it's often so hard for us to call out the good that we see in positions of power is precisely because of that position of power. We hold people in power to high standards, right? There's a quote that's been attributed to Voltaire, Franklin Roosevelt, Winston Churchill, Spider-Man, among others, and it goes something like this. With great power comes great responsibility. Now, I think we can all recognize that when someone takes a level of authority, right, power, a city council member, a mayor, police officer, firefighter, a nurse, a teacher, a mail carrier, a crossing guard, you can even throw a pastor in there if you want to, even the people at the DMV, all of those jobs and others like them have responsibilities attached to them. And these are jobs where service to others is kind of just expected, isn't it? It's just kind of understood that it's never enough just for these people to do only their jobs. They're expected to do them with a great attitude, with honor, with enthusiasm. And you know what? I think it's okay to expect these things. I think it's okay to expect that a mayor is going to listen to the voice of the people who live in her city. It's okay to expect that. It's okay to expect a police officer to use his power fairly and not abusively. There's nothing wrong with expecting that. It's okay to expect my doctor or nurse to do their jobs with care and sensitivity. It's even okay to expect the people at the DMV to be helpful and positive. You might not get it, but it's okay to expect that. But I also want to recognize that it's often the people who risk the most and give the most who receive the most criticism. Again, part of that is expected, but I think it can also be unfair sometimes. Now, some of us will say, well, that's just how I am. When I don't get the service I expect, I have to say something. Or we say, well, that's what they get paid for. I'm not going to feel sorry for them. And even if you're like me, somebody who doesn't like to make a scene on the spot and complain to go to customer service and make my complaint heard. That's not me. But that doesn't mean that we don't criticize and hold resentment and take it home with us. Can you believe what they did? And I'll, I'll go home and tell my wife, right? She gets, she gets an earful when I get home. <laughs> See, what happens when we go into these relationships with criticism and negative assumptions is that often it causes us to miss the good things that people do. Some examples. Um, I know firefighters uh, don't get as much of a bad rap as police do. They do take a lot more heat. Um, come on, come on. I just wanted to see if you're awake. Thank you, thank you. But, 
That has a whole new meaning now. Um, but did you know that just a few weeks ago, um, there were two Monterey Park firefighters who were hurt uh, battling a blaze that was right up here on Garvey. There's a whole like strip mall that went up in flames. You know, I wonder how many thank yous they got. In January, uh, there was a Monterey Park uh, PD squad car just down the street here on Garfield uh, who was trying to chase a, a suspect that was trying to flee, trying to get away, and the car overturned, the, the squad car overturned. It was on its, on its head. And I wonder how many people criticized that officer instead of offering their support or even just trying to see if she was okay. Uh, just a, a, a week, oh, there's a squad car. Just a, a week and a half ago, LAPD uh, reported uh, that over a three-day period in January, 474 arrests had been made in connection with human trafficking rings all across Southern California, the whole state of California, actually. And on top of that, 65 people were rescued from trafficking, victims. That's 28 children, 27 adults who were rescued from human trafficking and slavery. Good work, Right? Now, those are some of the obvious, right? We think of police, we think of, you know, we think of firefighters, we think of people who are risking their lives every day. Even beyond the obvious ones, there are people in our communities, the ones that you would call the unsung heroes. These are the ones who have been working tirelessly, sometimes for years and years, many times without much public recognition. I'm going to give you a few examples. My friend Jesse Chang who has actually been attending uh, with his uh, wife, uh, Tammy, and their, their kids, uh, Naomi and uh, Noah. And they're not here today, I don't think. Jesse, you here? No, he's not here. Um, but he's actually been working for years to build bridges with local high schools. And he started to plant community gardens um, in local high schools like, uh, like Garvey Intermediate, San Gabriel High. He's trying to get his foot in the door with uh, Keppel. And he also has started to offer resources and help to homeless families that are within the El Harbor School District. That's what he does. That picture of the flower right there is one of the flowers from the gardens that he's planted right over at San Gabriel High School. My friends Abner and Molly, uh, they planted a ministry of university called La Fe, Latino Fellowship, right here at ELAC, right? And now Abner right here is traveling all over the country to train other leaders to start Latino fellowships on their campuses, Started right here, right near Monterey Park, right over there at ELAC, right? Work over years and years that he's been doing. And here in Monterey Park also, our soon-to-be mayor, Teresa Real Sebastian, she's been fighting an uphill battle to see Monterey Park become a sanctuary city. Now, regardless of what your stance is on the issue, you have to respect somebody who sticks her neck out like that, as if it weren't already hard enough for her as it is, being the only non-Asian on the council and being the only woman. And even if you don't agree with her, you've got to recognize she's standing up for this because she cares. Why would anybody else be doing this? She cares about people and what happens to them. Now, can you see Jesus in what these people have done and are doing? Can you call that out? Do you see the examples of sacrifice, selflessness, courage, justice, bridge building, leadership, Discipleship, do you see Jesus in that? Christians, can we start to become good? No. Can we start to become the best at offering words of thanks, tokens of appreciation, gestures of recognition?
can we start to become the best at this? Even if we have a history with the police, or we don't see eye to eye with city council, or we can't stand going to the DMV, I want to see us, Christians, become experts at saying thank you and calling out what is good in others. And I really believe this is what God wants for us too. Now, why do we do this? Why do we need to go out of our way to show appreciation to people who might not even appreciate our appreciation? Why should we do this? Because we're supposed to be thankful people, because, you know, God and everything. And Why? Do I really have to go out of my way to appreciate people I don't even know? Isn't this a little bit kind of like kissing up to people in power? No. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I told a story of uh, the two apostles, Paul and Silas, um, who were in prison. And they'd been wrongly punished. They were imprisoned for healing somebody. They were thrown in prison. They were beaten and then thrown in prison, right? And, and many people in their situation would have taunted the guards. They would have been bitter and resentful. But they weren't. And even when they had a chance to get retribution on this guard who was guarding them, when the gates fell open and they could have just escaped, leaving the guard to a tragic end, they stayed And not only did they stay, but they made sure that this guard received the good news of Jesus Christ so that he could be saved. See, I realize that any person of any religion or no religion at all can have an attitude of appreciation toward those who serve our communities. It doesn't take a belief in God to have a thankful attitude. But for Christians, for Christians, our goal in calling out the good that we see And valuing the lives and work of those who serve our communities is not just to be nice. Our goal is to be bringers of the gospel. That is why we do what we do and we say what we say and we call out what God shows us. Our goal is to be bringers of the good news of Jesus Christ. See, when we call something good out, even something Christ-like especially for those who are not followers of Jesus Christ, it brings to light the possibility of the reality of this Jesus Christ. For someone who might previously have thought that his or her life had nothing to do with God or Jesus, this might be the first time for someone to recognize that maybe there is a connection after all between them and Jesus. Now, am I saying, do I expect that every time you go and show appreciation, people are just going to fall on their knees and repent and start speaking in tongues. I don't know. I don't, probably not, I guess. But, but see, the, this is for us, right? This is for us to get into the habit of being thankful and appreciative people and calling out what we see that's Christ-like. The more you do it, the more natural it becomes. And... Isn't living out the good news of Jesus Christ supposed to be natural for a Christian? It should be unnatural for us to always be complaining. It should be natural for us to learn to give thanks. Why do you think so many times in the Bible, especially in the Psalms, it says, Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks. We need to always be reminded, don't we? How many of you find it easier to complain or to give thanks? How many of you find it easier to complain about things we don't like? I think if we're being honest, a lot of us do. You know, I want to share a video with you 
that Pastor Albert actually shared a little while back, but it's so relevant to what we're talking about today. I, I want to share it with you again. It's a, it's a really great reminder um, if you saw it before, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's really good if you haven't seen it. I hope it ex- inspires you. So, Gloria, if I can I just ask you to hit the lights. I'm just going to check out this video real quick. When it comes to talking about their faith, people will often say to me, I think my friends may be more open to what I'm learning about God, but I really don't know how to articulate exactly what I believe. Or, I rarely talk to my friends or coworkers about my faith because I don't want them to feel like I'm cramming it down their throats. Whatever that means, right? You hear that one a lot. Let me give you one cool thing that I like to do that has never been weird or perceived poorly by others in my life when I've done this. Instead of starting out a conversation about religion and Christianity by beginning with what we don't believe in common with another person and then debating about that with them, or going after some specific sin that I've observed in their life, like I'm their judge or something, I love pointing out how someone is an example of the kingdom of God breaking in, or how something they did reminds me of Jesus or what God is really like. It's a powerful experience for them. Most people have never experienced anything like that. And a humble and surprising form of evangelism as you connect their life directly to God's plans and purposes. Let me give you an example or two. I once told a good friend of mine who's an atheist that the knowledge and wisdom with which he conducted his business was was incredible to me. I said that I believe that all wisdom comes from God. And then I added, and I think you've got God-given wisdom, and it reminds me of what God is like at times. Well, I thought he was going to fall over. It changed him a little right there on the spot, and it forever changed our relationship a lot. Another time, I told a dear neighbor that the way she had laid down some of her preferences so that she could bless one of my daughters in a particular situation really reminded me of the way that Jesus had laid his life down for us. Well, she's blown away. She goes, I don't know, kind of flattered and flustered. I'll have to think about that. You see, we've never looked into the face of another person that is not an image bearer of God. No matter what they've done in their life, no matter how broken, filthy, addicted, violent, or confused they may seem, God's image is never completely marred or removed from them, or from you or I for that matter. Pointing out how they still show what God is like in some small area of their life will be truly good news to them and a bridge to further conversations. I promise. So if you've been afraid to share your faith with others or just not sure where to start, the next best time to point out some good news in a person's life is now. We have never looked into the face of someone who is not an image bearer of God. Looks like the battery might be running low. We have never looked into the face of someone who is not an image bearer of God. Look at somebody next to you and tell them you are an image bearer of God. Tell them you were made in God's image. Josh, you were made in God's image. Leo, you know your face is hidden back there behind the camera. You were made in God's image. You are an image bearer of God. Rosa, 
you are an image bearer of God. It's never an issue of whether or not someone is worthy of appreciation or recognition. And I say that realizing that there in this world are some pretty rotten people. I don't say this easily or lightly. There are people who exist in this world that I don't, never want to see again. I'm just being honest with you. They are made in the likeness and image of God. It's especially hard to recognize that when it's people in power and when it's people you have to see on the news every day. You don't want to hear their voice anymore. You're tired of hearing what they do. They are image bearers of God. They have been made in God's likeness and image. Yes. And you might have, you probably have somebody in your mind right now, and you're like, even them? Yes. Even them. Even him. Even her. The issue is whether or not we have the eyes to see in someone else what God sees and whether we have the boldness to say it. Now, I hope this is good news for some of you here today. I mean, ask yourself, do you see how your own life points to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? Can you see the fingerprints of God on your own life? In spite of your rough past, poor decisions, shameful moments, there has never been a moment in your life when you did not bear the image of God. Not for one second. You have always been a bearer of the image of God. Now maybe some of you here today feel like, well, God's not really doing anything significant in me or through me. I don't even know what I believe. I'm not even a Christian, whatever. Like, there's no connection. Maybe at times you get so down on yourself and the state of your life that the spark of God's image inside of you, it just becomes so faint, and you forget who you are. But if you are hearing me, my voice today, whether it's today or whether it's sometime you're listening to this sermon online, later on down the road sometime, I pray that these are God's words coming through to you. You were created in the likeness and image of God, and you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, you. Amen? Now, as we get ready to, to wind down, just a couple of things I want to mention to you. This is something that I was thinking about. You know, we're talking about love where you live, where your home is. Recognize that this earth, if, if, you, if you follow Jesus Christ, if you are a disciple, of, if, you, if, if you are God's son or daughter, if you see God that way, if you see yourself that way, this earth, this world is not your permanent home. We are passing through. This is not your permanent home. So my prayer for you and myself included is that when we see that this world is not our home, we've got to make the most of the time that we have, but God needs to give us eternal eyes because our home, our forever home, is in eternity. And we need to see with eternity eyes. 
But I want to engage you in a little exercise today as, we, as, as you leave this place today. Um, I want us to get in the habit of being thankful for the people who serve in the places where we live. So out in the, out in the foyer, I like saying that word, foyer. Um, you're going to see our, we have a little selfie wall out there. And it's, it said, you know, love where you live. And, and now it, it's changed. It has some string attached to it and some clothespins. On the little uh, thing, there's, uh, there's some, on the little table right outside to the left, there's some paper and pens. I want you to engage in this little exercise of answering this question. And there is now a question on that board. It says, what do you love about where you live? What do you love about where you live? So your immediate action step is going to be to take a piece of paper, take a pen, and begin developing and exercising an attitude of appreciation. I want you to write something on that slip of paper, and I want you to pin it on that wall. And I see some of you have already done that, which is great. Thank you for doing that. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to write something that you appreciate. I want you to write your name, right? No anonymous notes. Put your name on it, right? And then put the name of the city where you live. So that way we could just cover that wall with notes of appreciation for all the different communities and cities where we live. I already started with mine. I put um, people in my neighborhood are, are pretty much friendly. And they're very good to my kids. And people with dogs let my kids pet their dogs. But what, what I put up there is that one of my neighbors, she always will text me or, come or send one of her sons over to knock on my door and tell me when I've left my garage door open, which I do more often than I'd like to admit. You know, I have one of those automatic things, so I push it, and I go out there and grab something, and I come back inside, and I forget to close it, and the thing sits open for, like, you know, an hour, and she'll come home, and she'll, hey, your garage door's open. What I put on my, the slip of paper is that even the garbage collector in our neighborhood is friendly. When he sees me, he smiles and waves hello. I'm thankful for that, and I want to be appreciative of that. So what is it that you love about where you live? It can be one thing. Put it up on that thing, on that board. It might seem like a small thing, but when we look at the places where we live and the people who live where we live and the people who serve where we live, to see them with God's eyes, it's all, it can never be a bad thing, right? So please, please, I ask you, don't skip over this. I would rather have it be like we ran out of paper than we have paper left over on that table, okay? Let's, let's like use up all those papers and just fill up the wall with thankfulness about the places where we live, okay? Do it today, okay? Don't wait. Second thing. And it could, maybe when you're writing your little note, it could spark your thinking, right? Either with your group or just by yourself, I want you to appreciate a leader in your community, okay? Call out something good you see in them. It could be as simple and quick as a five-minute phone call. It could be uh, 10 minutes of writing a letter or an email. You could leave a voice message. Show appreciation for somebody, a leader in your city. It can be a, you know, government official. It can be police. It can be fire. It can be somebody who serves a ministry, a local missionary, whatever, Show appreciation for somebody in your, who serves in your city. I almost guarantee you that they will be surprised unless that same person gets like 15 calls in one week. And they're like, are you from Trinity? Yeah, I get it. Okay, thanks. Thanks. I see. But, but I'd rather have that, right? I'd rather have, be, be, have it be like, oh, yeah, Trinity, you guys are like always calling us to say thank you. Rather than, oh, yeah, Trinity, you guys are always the ones who complain, right? Every time something goes wrong, right? You're always the ones who are calling us out to, you know, clean this up or do whatever. Let's become that church, Okay. Yeah, let's be annoying with thankfulness, all right? I want us to be like the people who just like, we can't stop saying thank you. We can't stop showing appreciation. Now, I realize that some of us are better at this than others, right? 
Some of us like to hug. Some of us are really good at, like, Carol, you make these pretty little cards, right? Thank you cards every Friday night, right, with the crafting ladies group. Some of you are really great at just, like, writing thank you. Ivy. Where's Ivy? Where's John and Ivy, right? I get thank you cards and birthday cards and everything. If, if John and Ivy have your address, you can guarantee you're going to be getting a card from them about something, right? Some of you are just naturally, and so if they don't have your address, give it to them. Um, <laughs> Some of you are just naturally good at this, and some of you are just like, I just don't see it. I don't know. I just don't notice these things. Let's commit together to getting good at this. And I'll say this final thing. This is why it is so important that we make the effort to meet together in our community groups. Because we each bring strengths to the table, and some of us are really good at saying thank you, and some of us are really bad so we need to be in a, like, a joint effort together to say, let's go show appreciation together. Oh, you never thought of this? Great, I did. Let's go do this together. Oh, you never thought about thanking this person? Well, I did. Let's go do this together. Oh, you never thought about writing a letter to this person? Well, let's write a letter. I'll write it. And everybody just put their signature on it. That's why it's important for us to be in groups with each other, encouraging each other, building each other up, and pushing each other, spurring each other on, as the Bible says, toward love and good deeds. Amen? All right, let's pray. Worship team, come on up. Thank you so much, Lord, for the ways that you have called out in each one of us what you see in us, God. The fact that we are here today is not an accident because no matter how distant somebody may feel from God today or the plan of God in their life, God, I believe that you wanted to tell each person today, I see in you what you may not see. Because each one of us here bears the image of God. We are made in the likeness and image of God. We bear your fingerprints on our lives and in our beings. It's not just something we have to achieve or earn. This is just how we were born. This is who we are. Yes. Every person. We were born this way. This is who we are. This is our identity at the very foundations of our beings. So God, I pray that we would take that assurance, take that good news that we are made in the likeness and image of God and then go out into our communities and call that same thing out in others so that we can be bringers of the gospel. That's good news. And God, you want every person to see that. That's why you sent Jesus. That's why you give us the Holy Spirit. Send us out, God, to be thankful people and to see with God's eyes. Thank you, God. We pray in Jesus' name.